saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Forks Gonna get a big issue if chow me Everybody. Welcome to another Commission Podcast. Uh, we've got a kind of special one here. Um, this is a dedication. We've done these from time to time. Uh, it's another one by... I, I don't know how to say this guy's last name unless I say it with an Italian accent. I okay. think it's impossible, actually. All right. Uh, David Fagiani. Okay. Uh, it's, it's your people. Very Italian. Very Italian. It's your people, Jim. It's probably even more Italian than my last name. Well, that's the thing. Like you know, Jim. Jo- people hear Jim Jones, they think, ah, oh, you know, that's 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 not Italian at all. But they don't realize that that's that's the name they stuck you with after you got off Ellis Island. It's Americanized. Yeah. It was uh, originally uh, Giuse- uh, Giuseppe Jonzetti, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a matter of record. They're just like, I can't pronounce that shit. Jim Jones. Yeah. Fagiani's a pretty good name, though, I, yeah. if, I, if I do say so myself. Uh, he commissioned this for his younger brother, Matt, who's getting married in June as a, a wedding present. And Congratulations, I that's Matt. That's pretty cool. Yep, yep. Congratulations to Matt uh, for, you know, not only getting married, but having an awesome brother who commissions podcasts for him. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, so the movie in question here is an American werewolf in London. It's 1981. This movie is totally up my alley. I mean, this is everything I love about kind of kind of bad. I I, I want to say like kind of bad judging by today's standards, obviously. Uh maybe at the time it was a little bit better, but kind of bad horror movies that that are both funny and campy and kind of scary too. So I thought that the effects work is phenomenal. Top In notch. fact, some of the stuff yeah. kind of still holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the comedy scale, I was going back and forth the entire time about whether <laughs> this movie meant to be funny or yeah. whether it was unintentional comedy, which I think is some of the best comedy of all. Uh-huh. Uh, then I saw that it was directed by John Landis, and I'm like, ah, you know, with his pedigree this has to be intentionally funny even the unintentional yeah. comedy has to be uh it's actually quite intentional it's just scripted out to be unintentional yeah so there's stuff like uh, obviously we're gonna get into big spoilers here but there's some as, sti- as we do in these yeah uh but specifically like one of the things is there's this nurse at the hospital who after david tells her that he's thinks he's going insane and he thinks he's turning into a werewolf and all these crazy things. She then just invites him to stay at her house. Yeah, it's like, ooh, I got to suck at this boy's flat. dick. I mean, yeah. And it's like, I. this is obviously meant to be humorous, right? Because no sane person would do that. But at the very least, even if he's not a werewolf, he's a lunatic. Isn't John Landis, like, he's, he's broadly frat boy in his sensibilities, it seems like. This seems like, so. uh, yeah. like if, if you... American horror or American werewolf in London seems like a the deer penthouse of werewolf stories. Okay, like yep. you'll never believe what happened. I got attacked by a werewolf. 
and laid up in a hospital and who should nurse me back to health but the hottest woman in in all of london in all of london <laughs> uh-huh. and i told her i can conf- when i finally confessed i turned into a man beast she's like oh i gotta suck this boy's dick and 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 thus it it happened yeah and it's like so there are a lot of things about this movie that are bad too and make me question whether the in the intent was comedy like mm-hmm. that seems to me to be one of the bad things like why would this crazy right. why why would this woman taking this crazy dude to her house that she barely knows but like i guess there's a lot of time passing but it's hard to tell sometimes if it's a failure of storytelling right. or if it's intentional comedy yeah yeah it's like there's a lot i remember when we first started this movie and these guys are just backpacking across the northern i assume because i heard yorkshire and I, I'm pretty sure that's all north because, you know, there's a, some of this Game of Thrones, War of Roses history seeped into my skull. And York is the Starks and they're up north. And hmm. also in Downton Abbey, the you know, York is kind of like the, the around where Downton is. And that's supposed to be kind of northern, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it, it's all set in, in, in but they're they're walking around and it's kind of cold and they're backpacking but they didn't really like there's no hats or gloves yeah but they're just having this converse I mean this guy's having this conversation with his Debbie Klein mm-hmm. and how fantastic her body is and how he's in love with her but he just really wants to have sex with her and she hasn't like there's this like really increasingly rapey talk about oh she's gonna have no say in the matter and like is it a co- <laughs> sure like is that like just the frat boy stuff coming through or is that actually supposed to be funny? You're supposed to realize this is over the top male sexuality. And then is it a cautionary tale that he's the one that got, that got uh, mauled and turned into a corpse? All fair questions. And I don't know the answer to that. And I feel like I'm, I'm at this point overthinking the movie. I think so. Like, like I think this is meant to be more of an entertaining and frightening romp. Yeah, and that's along the lines of his other stuff, right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like when I think of John Landis' career, and I'm not a big Landis fan. I like I, I, the things I think that I still hold up and I enjoy are like the Three Amigos, and there was another one. Shit, what was the other one that I was thinking of? Um, Did you say uh, Christmas Vacation? Was that no? One of it's no? European or the I, I think it's the National Lampoon's Vacation, which I I don't like any of the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Not yeah. even the Christmas one. And I, I watched it I at do. Christmas. I like the Christmas one. Yeah, sure. That's about the only one though. Uh, uh, and then he did you know ever more popular ones like Animal House and uh, Blues Brothers and yeah, see, I don't, which are I, all just wild crazy romps, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I don't. Uh, I don't even like. I don't really like Blues Brothers. Like I. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Coming to America. I've never seen Blues Brothers. Coming to America is good, but then again, it's okay. got Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Murphy at the height of his powers too. Sure. But when I think about like some of the, even the stuff with um, Three Amigos, which I think is a great, sublime, very fun. It's like one of my first kind of uh, brush with the absurd as a kid. That's the Steve Martin yeah. joint, right? And, and Chevy Chase and and, and uh, the other guy. Uh, <laughs> the guy who's not nearly as famous. No, it's Martin <laughs> Short, right? I, I think it is. Yeah, but but he's no longer as famous. We'll say that. I mean, he's kind of like this. I never liked Martin Short. I don't either. He, he he's was like in the that Chris weird... Kattan of that era to he, me. He's in that weird era of Saturday Night Live where they did a bunch of weird conceptual stuff, and everybody likes him because, and he does. You know, he did that uh, fat suit celebrity interview show, and everybody sure. loved. But again, I, I guess maybe I'm colorblind. To the Landis Martin Short spectrum of comedy, uh-huh. um, and every once in a while it'll come together like a Three Amigos. But even then, it's like 
a lot of that stuff is pretty stupid and regressive. Sure, sure. And this feels the same. Yeah. I don't think this is any different than Landis' other stuff. It just happens to be in a genre that I am more interested in. Yeah, but that's the thing. Anytime I go back and watch 80s comedies, it's like what hits you in the face is, holy shit, yeah. what people found funny. Sure, sure. You know, and I bet I imagine if you go and watch like '60s eras comedy, there's tons of like, you know, terrible things about like the the way like you know we find a lot of stuff about um, uh, women's issues and and just any kind of acknowledgement of 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 being gay as an acceptable lifestyle in the '80s stuff. You go back to, like '70s and '60s, I bet there's like horrifically racist shit and sure, yeah, yeah it's like that's the thing about comedy. It's just uh, an artifact of the era. You yeah, know, not much you can do about it now. So it's like that's the thing. It's like I, 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 I kind of want to talk about some of the social stuff in here, but I, I, it's it's like pissing up a rope that's yeah. transforming into a wolf as so, I'm trying to piss on it. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Like looking at this movie in 2016 mm-hmm. as compared to 1981. Like Roger Ebert gave it two stars, and he was like, "This is nowhere near as good as Blue Brother, Blues Brothers or Animal House," and. It just it's sad ass storytelling from top to finish. No character development, but no transitions. I no, don't understand what's the uh, difference. No real ending, like or, or super abrupt, like out of place stuff. What is the difference between? Yes, I agree, all that's true. But how is too. it different than the Blues Brothers? Sure, sure. I I don't know. I've never seen the Blues Brothers, and I've seen pieces of Animal House. But. It seems like the weakness. That's kind of weakness in John Land. Like he doesn't really give a shit. That's not what he's there for, man. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's it was you know it, it's the rare Eber interview where I didn't really agree with him. Well, I agree with his assessment. I don't agree with his rating. I guess. Huh. Like I agree that all those things are true. I just. It doesn't stop me from enjoying yeah, especially it, since but he... that's looking back on it 30 years yeah. after the fact, so it's a lot easier to be more forgiving of that stuff, where it's just like, well, you know, I'm only here for a kind of thrill ride, so what I don't care. What if it's fair to say that Ebert, like, horror is his least favorite genre, too? Because that's, not being a horror fan myself, hmm. I very hmm. rarely read his horror movie reviews, and I've yeah. read some of his great movie ones, but it seems like he goes he goes in for the creepy dread like a shining sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah. psychological terror, Stephen King kind of stuff and less for the monster type flicks and uh, and you know again that's that's a very surface surface level ana- uh, analysis by me, <laughs> but I wonder if that's part of the disconnect there too. Like Yeah, I've... he likes, you know, Roger Ebert likes body comedies and he's a big breast man and all that stuff, so it's like <sighs> if it's just like uh... that kind of romp he might like it, but then if he just takes that and puts it into a horror context, it's like eh. Yeah. No, it's a. It surprised me that he really just didn't like this movie. I mean, two stars is not great from him. Is he? Is he a five star system or a four star guy? Four star guy. Okay, so he's more of a. He's more famous for his thumbs. I know. But... Yeah, when he goes out of when he moves away from the thumbs, I don't know how to judge it. Yeah, but but then I look at Rotten Tomatoes and it's like eighty nine percent from critic reviews and like eighty five from audience. So like clearly the affection for this movie has built up over time. I'd say. You know, it's funny because I didn't expect it to be a comedy. So the first fifteen minutes I saw were really uh, kind of it's kind of hard. I felt like I was getting my 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 footing once I and I think I said at some at some point, "Oh, this is a comedy," and then I enjoyed the movie a lot more. Yeah, you have to kind of let go of what you think you might be in for at the beginning. Yeah, uh, it, and it takes a sweet time getting started too. It's like they run all the credits up front practically Uh and they do it over these slow 
moving uh, landscape shots of foggy northern England. But, but it's also scored to Bad Moon Rising, wasn't it? No, and, it's Blue Moon. It's it's the shitty go. version of Blue Moon. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. I like the doo-wop version of Blue sure, Moon myself. Sure. Which they play at the end, which I was happy for. Uh-huh. That's the end credits song. Uh, but yeah, it, it it starts off a little bit slow. But the by the time they walk into this pub and I see, uh, you know, the people the in the slaughtered, slaughtered lamb, lamb and it, it, the logo is essentially a werewolf <laughs> chewing a sheep up or something, right? Yeah, no, it's a, werewolf it's a head severed on a, head on a pike. Yeah. So that's the the thing about the villagers. I don't get. What about them? They they're very. I thought the feeling, if it, you know, if I hadn't seen the rest of the movie when I was. In that scene, and I was looking at it, my suspicion was everyone in this town is a werewolf. Okay. Because they, they're they kind of like weirdly insular, and you shouldn't be here, and what's going to happen? Then, like, you know, they run off, they go down the road, and they step off the platform, and, and then all the townsfolk come, and they come together to kill a werewolf. Uh-huh. So it's like, what is this town's deal with werewolves? Is it just something that they kind of live with? Why like, are they keeping it a secret? Like, why what, do they, why, what do they have to gain from that? Why do they have it in called the slaughtered lamb that has a pentacle in it? Is that a protection? It seems like, yeah, that, that was to ward off the werewolves. I, but I they're got... clearly not all werewolves because it's a full moon and there's one running around. They'd all be werewolves of any of them. It's like they, they have like a couple yeah. of second cousin werewolves that they're not kind of ashamed of, but the other family don't want to shoot them unless they go <laughs> mauling a tourist. So I get the impression that that was the last werewolf around. And if it hadn't mauled David and they had killed it, boom, it's done. The werewolf stuff is over because yeah, cause... they constantly say, David, you're, you got to kill yourself to end the bloodline. But that's what is – so his friend, the talking corpse, yeah, that's not a real thing, right? That's happening in his head. I think that's a real thing in really? this movie. Yeah. See, I was trying to think if there was any room to uh, interpret this all as his – like part of this werewolf psychosis. I think there is. Like, I think the werewolf, he's, it's, this is happening to him. He's becoming uh-huh. a werewolf, but obviously <laughs> that altered state would have to also have a corresponding altered state of mind. And every time I saw the guy, sure. the talking corpse guy and all that. Um, but it's weird but because then, he kept rotting. He did, yeah. But uh, so so he's not cl- he's not a, a real he's not a physical corpse. Yeah. I, he's so a, that's some kind of that's phantom. the weird thing, right? Like, can other people see? That he's sitting here talking to sixteen corpses in this I porno don't think theater. So. Uh, yeah, that's just I'm Tuesday with night at the porno. <laughs> right. That's, that's <laughs> we sure. don't look people in the eye, much less to <laughs> you know get close enough to smell them. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't, I don't think people can see them. I don't think it's physically manifested, but I think he's real. Like, I think he's walking some other plane because they they spout a lot of mythology about werewolves here that I had no clue about. And that I don't know is perpetuated elsewhere, but their idea here is that the people who are attacked and killed by this werewolf are forever damned to walk some kind of limbo uh, ethereal plane, right? Yeah, I've never heard of that either. I haven't either, until the uh, the werewolf's bloodline is ended. Like getting infected by a werewolf and becoming a werewolf yourself and coming out the full moon and weakness the... The and silver, they do the although, silver bullet thing, and they're like, like oh, that's, what if, come that's, on. that's bullshit. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Should know better than that. But yeah, so I I feel like with all the mythology that they're spouting here, we're meant to take those as real people. Yeah. Not just visions in his head. But the fact that they're all kind of essentially chanting, kill yourself, you know, that that's what I guess made it a little bit more psychological <laughs> for me. 
Okay. And like, I get it just see that. so happened that, like, yeah, we want peace, but the only way you can get peace is for you to kill yourself, which is also the way to give you peace. And It's a good question. So if you, like, let's say you're in this scenario, you uh-huh. get attacked by the wolf, you, first of all, do you buy that you're you're turning into a werewolf? Secondly, if you do, do you kill yourself? Like, hmm. that's the classic zombie question, too, right? Like, I, I, wa- I want to kill myself before I turn into a zombie, because that's the worst faith in death. It's so weird because the thing that makes it complicated is unlike being a zombie where it's like once you are, it's a terminal condition. And yeah. even if you have some vestige of awareness of your former human self, you're you're locked in this just terrible, terrible lifestyle uh-huh. and probably no small amount of pain, too. Whereas a werewolf, it's like, you know, once every 28 days, you turn into a werewolf, you yeah. might kill some people. That's but not so bad. But outside of that, you're living a full, healthy life. And you you're can, banging the hottest nurse in London. You can bang the hottest nurse in London. You can go to pornos. You can still get to hang out uh-huh. with your best friend who's a corpse now. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's a bad deal. Um, so You are, however, making these people who are walking this other plane miserable. But even if you eternally so, miserable. So even if you like, because that's something that's explored in like Penny Dreadful. There's a there's a werewolf character in Penny Dreadful, and okay. um, it does seem like it's a it seems like it's a fundamentally selfish choice because you yeah. are you lose control of yourself and you're a wolf and you hurt innocent people. And let's say you take elaborate precautions. Let's say that every before a full moon you get an almanac and you chain yourself up into a basement or something. Do they do this in Penny Dreadful? I'm not going to give any spoilers because if the answer is yes, I have to watch that. You show. need to watch the show. They, ex- okay. they, they it's it's got a lot of thoughtful takes on a lot of monster movie right. pastiche stuff. I'm sold. Um, but let's say you do that. Like, what happens if some teenagers break into the basement while you're chained up? They like, get eaten. You, you get, they get eaten, and are you responsible for that? I'd say yes. Or what happens if you get arrested or you get you get hospitalized for a couple of days and then you transform and you rampage through a whole hospital? Like, I, you, So the, I'd say you're responsible for everything that happens after you turn into the werewolf the first time. Yeah. Like, leading up to it, I can understand why you'd be skeptical. Like, uh-huh, sure. I'm going to turn oh, yeah, into no, a werewolf there's and no kill way a bunch of people. If, if, Whatever. If, 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 like, if, if, if someone came back from the dead and said, you're now a werewolf, you got to kill yourself <laughs> before the moon. It's, it's imperative you kill yourself. I'd be like... Yeah. Uh, first of all, I need to go see a doctor. I need <laughs> to have some. I need to see a psychiatrist or something weird. But no, fuck you. I'm not killing myself. Yeah. You wake up covered in blood in, in a zoo. In a lion's cage. In a, yeah, in a wolf cage. Then, wolf cage, yeah, yeah. Then you and you start seeing the, the stories of this Jack the Ripper type that's going to mauling corpses. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like the moral thing, the ethical thing to do would be to kill yourself. But I also feel like the werewolf... Like, it seems, because I've, I've read a lot of books about um, mythology and folklore and, like, what what is the core point of the vampire myth? What is the core point mm, of, like, yeah. the goat, you know, the vengeful ghost, the banshee myth? What's the core point? And I've never really done a lot of research into werewolves because it seems like, you know, the werewolf is an old thing. As I, well, I was doing some research for this podcast, I came across, like, a 15th century wood carving. That purports huh. like a Lon Chaney type werewolf. Like I thought that maybe that was a Hollywood where you've got a anthropomorphic wolf, and I feel like that werewolves nowadays are kind of like uh, you're more apt to see them turning into a literal like maybe a dire wolf. Yeah, but their morphology is they're, they're they turn into a wolf. They're not like half man, half wolf. Sure, but this 15th century wood carving was like this dude. 
a human dude with like kind of like monstrous <laughs> club, but it did. It looked like something like out of the 1940s Hammer Horror series or whatever. Sure, which I, that's probably 60s. Whatever, that's not my point. <laughs> so I was wondering, what is the point of the werewolf myth? And I wonder if mm. that is kind of like um, addic- it's, it's something about addiction. Hmm. Okay. Because you're doing all these terrible things, but it's like, oh, that's not me, and I'll I'll do better the next time, and it's something you try to beat. But it's like, you know, it's it's kind of a fundamentally selfish thing. And here's where people say, I I don't understand addiction, and that's that's true. But you know, and I I guess I I'm not trying to say that if you're a drug addict, you should kill yourself. But there, <laughs> no, there's something to that. All. Like you know, it's like I got blackout drunk, and mm. I beat my wife, and I made my children cry. But now yeah. I'm fine. I'm I'm I've woke up and I'm sober and everything's cool now. Like, is there something to that kind of hmm. cycle? There could be. I I don't know anything about werewolves, honestly. I, the werewolf is the least interesting monster to me. Why? Why do you say uh, that? I don't. I don't know. I just have never gotten into werewolves. Maybe it was because I saw Underworld and was like, nope, fuck this, I'm out. I feel like the classic werewolf is one of the more torch because like the vampires seems like they are pretty into doing what they're doing. Yes, like vampires ma- like it. Yeah, vampire. Like, like I'm, I'm all about being a vampire, and it's cool. And this is what I'm doing, and I don't have a lot of remorse, and I don't even see. Yeah. Hum- I'm not. I don't. Lo- I no longer see myself as human. So what I do with humans doesn't really bother me. Whereas the werewolf seems like it's true. The, their subjects seem to be truly caught in a horrific circumstance. Like I'm because still they're human. Both. Yeah. But I turn into this monster that kills people, and that shocks and offends my human sensibilities. So I feel like that there's a lot more human drama, and and also it's like you know it's you know Twilight notwithstanding, it seems like there's a lot more room for werewolves to have relationships and to have complex interactions with other characters in a way that a Frankenstein or a (laughs) a Frankenstein's monster rather, or a, a vampire or a mummy can't. Yeah, yeah, because they are human most of the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I think the answer is probably no. I definitely don't kill myself up until I turn the first time. Afterward, maybe. Maybe so. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, but I, <laughs> there's just a lot of other stuff in this movie. Can we talk about the doctor? Silly. Uh, he Okay. This badass doctor who survived Rommel, the desert fox. Mm-hmm. And I can put up with it. There's this one throwaway line where he's like, I survived Rommel. I can survive an excruciating evening with, I don't know who the Matheson. The, the boar. Why, who is oh. Math? Matheson is this guy who's calling on the phone for him. And he's like, I knew it was absolutely a comedy when he calls up and he's like, tell him I'm dead. And he, <laughs> he slams the phone down. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's where that scene exactly is where I started to realize, oh, this is just a this is kind of a farce. Yeah. And these bumbling cops yeah. that come in. Sure. But why the fuck is a physician heading the investigation investigation to a murder? It's a good question. I think he's just a curious guy. Well, I think he's you know just like, you know, to the cat killed it, turned into a werewolf. <laughs> Werecat. Werecat. Uh, yeah, I, I think the doctor is just too curious to leave this alone. Uh-huh. And when he sees the kind of coincidental things that are going on, hears this guy's story. He's like, I got to go check this out. Can we talk about some of the lurid? Here's where I think that like him seeing his friend as a rotting corpse mm-hmm. is not necessarily real. He has a lot of lurid visions about becoming a wolf. Yeah. Uh, it starts off with some innocent, naked, nude deer hunting. Sure. Uh, but then it turns into this this bizarre Nazi werewolf scene. Yeah. I, 
Like, I've never seen anything like it where a bunch of, you know, fascists, like stormtrooper, uniform wearing uh, zombies, and not in the George Lucas can't shoot yeah, yeah. <laughs> teddy bears beat them like like the old school goose stepping ones yeah come in and and kill his i that's the other thing is like we've never met his family uh but we're supposed to realize i mean the, the movie takes for granted that they're going to be able and they do they pull it off i don't know how but like you understand that oh he's back home in america yeah. and 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 that was kind of jarring but you go with it and all of a sudden nazi werewolves just come up and kill everyone that he cares about yeah and i think it helps that scene for you to not realize that it's a dream immediately when when they do things like jump three weeks ahead in time and you realize, oh, okay, well, they're jumping ahead in time. It wouldn't be completely uh, inconceivable that they'd end up jumping to where he's back in America. Yeah. But then, then you got to wonder what the title's all about. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's super bizarre. And like, I don't know, he kills the nurse at one point uh, or the nurse gets killed at one point. Are we talking uh, about the very end of the of... movie, right? No, no, no. Uh-uh. In one of his visions. Oh, oh, oh. Like, she opens yes, the window yes, okay. and something jumps in and kills sure, her, I sure. think. Uh, but, yeah, it, the they were just bizarre sequences. And there's also bizarre, like, the after his first transformation, uh, where he wakes up naked in the zoo, uh, he, I think that what would have brought him down was not the many murders he committed, but the fact that he would be a registered sex offender after he propositioned a boy... Yeah. For his balloons naked in a bush. Uh-huh. Like that's that's some emotional scar like forget <laughs> forget the physical scarring and the werewolf transformations and the rotting corpses. This boy, like like how do you get over that? A naked man steals your balloons. I don't think you ever do. And he had a creepy smile about it? That kid's that kid's disturbed. <laughs> For sure. Uh there's also some other I mean, top to bottom, this whole thing is I, I hesitate to use the use the word zany. Because zany is it's not pretty, really no, it's pretty zany, but it's not it's not spot on. It's also like dark and is it? What's dark? Dark in this movie? and a little uh, perverse in some parts. I mean, there's there's like a there's a lot of dark stuff. I mean, like this theater, this porno theater, mm-hmm. in my mind, is pretty fucking dark. You know, like physically, yes, it's dark because they don't no, want to be I mean just thematically, it's like why. Be, just the idea of these theaters being things that exist to me is <laughs> it's real, true. No, real I mean, fucking weird. But in the days before the internet, I get it. That's like, the only what's way dark to is do it. the people that have to maintain and clean and deal with the people. But like, <laughs> as a human need going and seeing visual stimulus and 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 jerking sure. off. But and also, there's probably like a lot of those guys want to be there and want to be seen, and that's part of the yeah. thrill of it. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it is not... weird, the idea that you're sitting in a room with, you know, half a dozen to a dozen other guys in the dark and maybe jerking off. And also... Definitely someone in there Yeah, is. not maybe. Someone <laughs> will be jerking off. The other thing is, like, so these theaters hold, like, 150. Yeah. They're regular theaters, but it's like, is there ever a night where it's jam-packed? No. That would be a terrible situation, right? If it was, like, elbow to elbow? Yeah, <laughs> I... I mean, they, they should really just have, like, 18 seats in the theater, all spaced out appropriately, yes, there's, with maybe some blinders next to there's them. 15, there's 15 sp- There's 15 feet of space in all directions. You uh, can draw a curtain if you want, or leave it open if that's your thing. Sure. Have a little crotch spotlight if you want it. Maybe that's an extra feature you put a quarter in. Yeah, see, I, I understand hoc- more, light. like, the booths. You know, the, the booths where you'd have mm, the ladies sure. dancing in behind the glass, and, like, sure. 
at least there, there's some privacy and some understanding. You can have uh, a drain in the floor and just hose it down. If people are finished. Sure. Done. Yeah. Just really sterilize that thing. But the, the whole theater, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's uh, is that still a but thing then, nowadays? Like, all, I because... mean, where, where I say it's dark is like all the death that's happening, like this car crash that happens near the end. I mean, people are being ejected through their through their windshields. Like but that was. I thought being that was crushed. done as comedy. It, it is, but it's dark comedy. It's real dark okay. comedy. People being murdered uh, in the streets. No, nah, I'm still chalking up to zany. Wow, because okay. I didn't see. I don't. Bo- it's not like, zany even, in the way that even the businessman, the way he challenges the the werewolf, is like, if you think this is remotely uh-huh. funny, you're wrong. Like, it's just very s- stiff British. Sure, that that part definitely. I mean, I felt like all the victims. I didn't really feel like there was any. They're just they're just there to be funny and then to be <laughs> savaged by this prosthetic werewolf. Yeah, the direct victims. I just think the car crash stuff is. Hmm. And it just kept happening. Pretty horrific. Like, I know. The, it's like the it's Blues the Brothers car, car wreck. Only it happens uh-huh. in London at, at the hands of a werewolf. And I was laughing the entire time. I thought it was hilarious, but it's dark and hilarious. Okay. All right. For me, anyway. I don't know why I wrote down, and this is a this is uh, during the werewolf crash carnage, but I wrote down the word, this werewolf has respect for authority. And I don't know why has respect for authority yeah like did a policeman challenge him that's uh, uh did, did a policeman challenge uh, him and he like backed off or something because i know at at one point the policeman tried to bar him in this barricade him in this theater to keep him contained mm-hmm. but uh yeah i don't know i uh mm-hmm. can we talk about the transformation scene itself well i don't want to leave the porno scene yet oh because this porno is one of the most bizarre pornos i haven't got seen. all your system eh well, yeah, it's tough to. Some guy barges in. Uh-huh. He's like, what are you doing? You said you'd never do this again. The guy's like, you never told me that. And he says, not you, her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know who you are. And he says, oh, sorry. And he leaves. Yeah. It's so weird. I get it, but there's she had gigantic breasts the whole time, and I think that's the only thing. Yeah, I mean, I, clearly it's there to show her boobs, but I guess that's the thing. Like I grew up in the era, the the era of the rise of Gonzo porn, yeah, yeah. which is no plot. It's just you know, go to a hotel, put a camera in the corner, two people. And this is clearly a spoof. Two, that. two or more people of various combinations of genders and races are fucking, and yeah. and that's it. And to me, I feel like that is the golden age of pornography. Okay. Like maybe there's some people that fondly remember the days where you actually had a convoluted plot and you had to have people in shitty costumes talking about, you know, with bad haircuts, talking about ham-fisted attempts at dialogue. You had to have writers. Like, is there is there like a boogie nights? Mm-hmm. Like people that see that as the height of pornography. Like to me, that is shit. I would just fast forward to through to get to the good stuff, the stuff I'm there for, and then I, you know, eject the VCR tape. I'm done. So like I. I don't know if that's, like, a really bad porno or if that's, like, just par for the course. Like, I've seen a couple plot-oriented pornos, and they're laughable. Yeah, they're yeah. They're terrible. It's clearly a send-up of, of those types of porn movies. Right. Like, the, I, I wonder if John Landis is like, let's sit down and write a scene that literally is incomprehensible to prove a point and see how many people even notice it or even comment on it. Yeah. Well, I noticed it, and I commented on it. So, <laughs> okay. There you go, John Landis. Can we now talk Take about the that. transformation scene? Yeah, let's do it. It lasts for about five minutes, and it's kind of a tour de force. It's amazing. 
they're the I mean for as fun for this movie to be fun and I I that's the thing like I I remember seeing this when I was about seven or eight on oh, network God. television because oh, my dad was watching it and I walked in and he's like oh, I don't think you want to see this and of course that's the thing like I know I didn't I I know what a I at age eight I understood what a horror pussy I was. But it's one of those things where it's like I couldn't look away. I also, mm-hmm. I, I'm terrified of it. And I know it's going to keep me up at night, but I also have a morbid fascination. And I didn't yeah. know that this was set into a horror comedy film. Ah, when I, okay. And I, and I, this is, it's, it's weird. Like I hadn't even thought about that memory until I saw it, and I was kind of like having a minor flashback of like remember watching this as a 39 year old, and also remembering what it was like to see it as a nine year old and how horrific it was. Uh-huh. Because the thing is, is like. <laughs> was did you take this as funny like the fact it was so gratuitous and lasted so long was it supposed to be like i thought it was so an over the top it was supposed to be funny no because no, the thing is what i got way. is like being aware transforming to werewolf sucks yeah it sucks hardcore uh-huh. it hurts it lasts forever it probably gets you all pissed off and in prime mood to want to slaughter a bunch of people you're maybe a little worried about the long-term effects yeah like can <laughs> you recover body, from this yeah of this body morphing uh-huh hor- horrific uh disease sure your spinal <laughs> cord is 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 sprouting horns and shit i don't uh-huh. i don't know yeah, no, I I didn't take it as comedy. I thought it was appropriately horrific. Yeah. Uh and in a way that only that type of practical effect can be. Like I've seen I, I don't know. I, to me this is like the heyday of that kind of gross sure. gory practical effect, right? Yeah. And like nowadays you don't have those transformations that have the same impact in my opinion because you know all of it is like just digital. Yeah. And it's somehow it doesn't look as good like well you know it's it's not really there on set and so that seeps into kind of how you judge the thing sure at least for me i mean i've seen some pretty horrific digital transformation effects too but you're right there's something about and like the thing and the fly and like uh uh-huh oh yeah those types of things the fly especially this movie it's all just it's so affecting because it's really there. You know? I will say that the one thing that they kind of lost me is where he, for whatever reason, flips onto his back. And you can clearly that, – that, that's the thing that took me because I can uh-huh. clearly see I – don't, I, I don't know why this brought me out. But I can clearly see that this is a dude that's standing in a hole cut in the floor and they're wriggling around a prosthetic body. Yeah. Sure. The spe- like when I could, I could also clearly see like when they showed his snout elongating, I thought it was a really cool effect. But clearly that's just a rubber mask that they're they're shoving a two by four through and <laughs> stretching out the snout and all that. You know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know why that didn't break my immersion, but seeing him flip over and being very obviously a full body prosthetic, like almost like a Saturday Night Live skit type of prosthetic, mm. maybe it's just poor, more poorly done. Like. Yep. That full angle that they lingered on it, that just that effect wasn't quite up to scratch. But that was the other thing else I thought. It was a tour de force and yeah. holds up incredibly. I agree. That's it's still a horrific scene. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, even though that the Nazi werewolves and stuff are more, mostly anthropomorphic, I thought that the it suggested, and you don't really see the, you don't really see the werewolf full body once he's fully transformed but you do see yeah. his like head and shoulders and i it's yeah. very wolf like it's sure. just straight up a big wolf yeah. which i thought was kind of like is is that one of the modern day i haven't seen any of the classics like the howling i hear that's like a real hear classic good. of the better genre. or worse than the transformation in teen wolf 
<laughs> you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing Teen Wolf again because uh, I bet that the Teen Wolf transformations are pretty good. But Probably. then he turns yeah. into just Michael J. Fox wearing some long ears. Exactly. Long ears and a scraggly beard. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can now dunk really yeah. well. But you see, that's the other thing about Teen Wolf is like, weren't they, they were in control of the transformation. So I thought I that there's like, I, I thought that there was a deal like they actually prefer like, like hanging out as the wolf. Because I remember his dad and like mom to less, maybe it wasn't, but I remember, clearly remember his dad. I got the opinion that going like kind of like half wolfing, you know, where you just had the ears and scraggle, that was kind of like free balling. Like that's essentially laying on the couch buck naked because sure. it just when it just it just feels more comfortable. Wasn't it wasn't one of the, the But you can turn into a more ferocious version, a more hairy version the like the the more you give your body over to the wolf, the stronger you got. Okay. But you could uh, go full human, or you could go full wolf, or you could kind of be in between. It's kind of like the comfort. That's like, you know, balls out kind of way to go. Wasn't, like, the key, uh, I guess, problem for him at one point, a teen wolf I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. That he couldn't turn into a wolf when he really needed to win a basketball game? <laughs> no, because I think I think the key problem was that he just turned into a massive asshole. And there was one point that... There's like a bully that baited him into turn going into full wolf, and it kind of like horrified people. Sure, yeah. And then his team didn't didn't like it because you know he was scoring 99 points and they just sat around. So oh, and so he chose not. He to voluntarily, turn into the wolf, and then he sucked. Yeah, in yeah. fact, that's the other thing. It's like I remember. J- and Michael by the J. end, Fox. they were all like, "Please turn into the wolf. We need to win this game." Right, and I, yeah. that's the thing. It's like I remember Michael J. Fox being hilariously bad at basketball. Oh, is he? Okay. Like, and, and most of the actors, you know, we grew up in Indiana, and yeah. I'm never, I'm not a good basketball player, but like, you got to understand this. I don't know if it's still tr- true. It's the land of Larry Bird, Come but on. every fucking house I grew up in, and all my neighbor, we all had basketball, and that you just played pickup. That's what you did. Yeah, like that was the sport. So seeing these guys that are dribbling and like just looking, like looking at laser beams at the, they, 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 they're. Like patty cake in the ball, and they cannot take their eyes off the ball, even do <laughs> yeah. basic maneuvers. Like, come on, man! I can. He's I in can high do school. That. These yeah. kids are about to go play in the final four. Yeah, and a then, year from now, and then they would go for like a, a a long shot of the stunt man. He's like dribbling between his legs and doing a bunch yeah. of like yeah. you know M- Michael Jordan shit, and then they go back close up of Michael <laughs> J. Fox, and he's patty cake in the ball. And it's like the <laughs> difference between like you see someone stage play a guitar. Uh-huh. And like sometimes, like you know, they'll show a guy shredding, and they cut to the actual actor, and he's like just looking right at his the fretboard, and you can <laughs> tell the, when something's good or not. That's the thing that Michael J. Fox does not stage do. He does not stage guitar. He they, that Doesn't dude actually he? plays guitar. Oh, Michael, guitar. Yeah. I, I wondered about that because you know, again, I'm not. Yeah, a that good, Chuck Berry scene. I'm not a good. Back to the Future, I'm not he really good, played it. I'm not a good guitar player, so I didn't pick that up. Out. And I'm a All terrible right. basketball player, but being from Indiana, I'm much better than Michael J. Fox. Okay. Who maybe never <laughs> touched a basketball before this movie came out. All right. Well, this wolf in, in American Werewolf in London is not in control. And he's also not a basketball player. Definitely not. No. Uh, do we want to talk about the end of this movie? Because okay. it's surprising. Why? It's surprising in how abrupt it is. Like, they chase the werewolf into an alley. Mm-hmm. The uh, the cops have him surrounded, and the nurse comes up and is like, "Don't shoot him! I'm going to go talk to him." And she does, mm-hmm. and then he kind of sticks his head out and go growls or whatever, and they shoot him dead, and the movie ends. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, just fucking in. Yeah, it just goes right to credits. Yeah. With, with another pop song. Um, What did you need? Uh, I, that's uh, Yes, it did feel abrupt, but also that was the story. It is, but I have questions. Like, he attacked a bunch of people. Yeah. Is the bloodline severed now that he's dead, or did some of those people live? Well, see, I, because a lot of those people will turn into werewolves if they live. I kind of thought that too, but then if you take that the corpse people were real, it mm-hmm. seemed like all of his victims were accounted for, and they're suggesting that he didn't wound them; he actually murdered everyone. Because I and I think that's also suggesting suggested by the. I'm fact talking that about this, the attacks outside the porn theater. Like I, once I get they it. Start to, but the, you think him. about like his butt. He would never have survived the first attack if the townsfolk hadn't killed the werewolf in mid attack and stopped it. Yeah. So the suggestion to me is like once a werewolf gets you in his jaws, he's not going to just lightly wound you, and he's going to rip you up, and you're going to die. But he's S- fleeing too. He's not there to kill. At what? He's at trying what to get point? Away. What do you mean? At what point? I'm like, trying to think at what they, point in the movie does he get a victim that he does just doesn't throttle. Well, I th- there are a lot of victims in that theater that I hmm. we don't know the status of, and I assume when he comes out, doesn't he maul some people? Yeah, on the maybe way out? The, maybe, like, maybe a cop too. That these gets, are the questions I have. I just I, I wish I wish it didn't necessarily end so abruptly. See, I'm thinking in the, in an early '80s film with, and I know there are sequels to this, right? Like is Amer- there's an American Werewolf in Paris? In Paris, made in the nineties, yeah, ninety seven. Okay, um, uh, to me, like I was kind of expecting, yeah, like three months later, or like you know, twenty eight days later, you you suggesting that one of it, yeah, someone in the hospital gets out, and this is going to begin again. Just but I to guess set the, up the sequel. The fact that they don't do that, I guess, suggests that his bloodline was ended. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, get, I, I assume you could read that into that's it. That's the thing. Like, I feel like that they always suggested a sequel in the 80s, even if none was planned, just because that's the, what the studios wanted. Like, after the success sure. of Star Wars and yeah, yeah. Indiana Jones, it's like, fuck, like Freddy's never to, actually dead. Yeah, we're right? going to we're gonna suggest a sequel, because if this makes a shit ton of money, then yeah. we got the sequel. Yeah. And like, Mike I, Myers is going to be resurrected. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, I think nowadays it seems like that we want to tell a story and if we want to suggest a sequel, we'll do it Marvel style post credit sequence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's the better, arguably better way to go. Yeah. That works. But no, I, I guess like what, other than maybe showing that, that there is a, the, the chain has not been broken, uh, you know, that they could have gone with the, like the nurse and what kind of transformative experience this was in her life. But I don't ever buy her as a character because she's a cartoon. (laughs) She's ridiculous. She's like, oh, you're a wolf? I want to fuck you now. Like, yeah. okay, fine. But, I mean, I guess showing me that maybe, I don't know, not something this cheesy and ridiculous, but, like, his friends, his friend Jack and all his other victims standing around and, like, fading away or something. Yeah. Like, like something to let me know the status of the plot thread that's been going on this entire fucking movie. See, but that's the thing. I guess I never took them as real. I always thought that they were a figment of his tortured psych- human yeah, psyche. Yeah, that Sure, that so, works like, too. So, like, to me, it's like, of course they're not going to see him anymore because they were in his mind and he's dead now. Yeah, okay. All right. I guess not Not thinking that through the, the whole movie makes me want a little bit more than I got. The other thing about the bloodline that never made sense to me is, like, why is it just his friend? Was it his Jack? Is that his name? Yeah. Why is it just him? If this is everyone killed by this bloodline, there should be, yeah. like, hundreds of, like, medi- you know, pe- of people from all walks of life and time periods 
yeah. that, that these werewolves were preying on uh, through this bloodline. Like, why would, you know, again, I feel like that that's just people that that's that, that was just figments of his imagination. Okay, I can buy that. Uh, I noticed in the credits that they have a congratulations to the Prince of Wales on his marriage. I thought that was interesting uh, and a little surprising. Wait, what? They're, in the credits, they're like, congratulations to uh, whatever the princess name is and whatever Charles the name and of Di- went, Charles Wales. and Diana? I don't, when did they get married? I don't married? know if it's them. He is the Prince of Wales. There's not, there's, not, there's not a lot of them. I know there's not a lot of them, but there are multiple ones, yes. Yeah, he, so he got married in uh, July 29th, 1981. I think that is actually a okay. toast to Prince Charles. Yeah, they congratulate him on his And marriage. Lady Diana. That's, that seems strange to me. I don't know why. Yeah. It's an American movie. I get that it's set in London, but that just still seems weird. But it's kind of like, you know, when they, they formally thank the military for their advice. I feel like that that's just a way to leave but, a good but taste But the military would mouth. have some involvement in the film, perhaps. Yeah. Whereas this is just like... That's one of the, that's one of the vestig- vestigial powers of the royalty in England. <laughs> they can block or grant all movie-making rights set in London. Set in London? Yeah. I suppose so. I mean, they did film in London. So. Sure. And, and in... You know, other places. No, I just feel like it's like, you know, it's a little bit of local pandering to, you know, like anytime you see. And thanks to the good people of Omaha for letting us set there. It's like, you know, next time someone comes, you're just you're pre-greasing the wheels for the next movie movie studio. Yeah, I mean, like I I liken it to if someone from if like people from Britain came over here and made a film and thanked Obama. Or congratulated him on like the birth of his new well, pups. It or could something. also be like, some American pandering too, because we in America are crazy about the royal family as well. Like I don't know, we might even I'm be not. more crazy about a lot the, of people are. Well, I yeah, you're, yeah, you don't give a shit about a lot of things that That's true. people in the popular <laughs> culture. Like, could you tell me who won the various championship games that happened this weekend? There were championship games. See, this my, there's my point. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You can cite that as evidence of it mattering in pop culture. Sure, sure. Uh, but no, I feel like that maybe that also, although it's weird in a horror film, because I feel like the people that give a shit about the royal family are probably not in the same Venn diagram. The people that are hardcore horror aficionados. Yeah, but that might be some local pandering. Like, oh look, these guys they like the royal family too. The one other thing that I thought was weird about this, and just kind of out of nowhere. Is this this other nurse, this peeping nurse? Yeah, who the comes meat in and immediately just pulls back the covers and takes a look at his dick. Yeah, oh yeah, circumcised. Must oh. be Jewish. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that I because I I take it that over across the pond that a lot of dudes uh, are fully intact. So okay. maybe just seeing the circumcised penis is a novelty. And they 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 say that too, right? They're like, oh no, that's a that's just kind of a standard thing nowadays. Over. Yeah. Over across the pond, standard yeah. issue. American guys, they just cut the cut the foreskin off. Yep, just take it all right off. So uh, one of the reasons our country's so great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't know if I the go adversity. That far. The adversity starts from birth. They grab the tip of your dick and whoosh, whack it right off. Yep, uh, but that's about all I have on on this movie. I know David has a lot more stuff uh, that he wants us to talk about, so maybe we should get to that. Yeah, or do you have sure. any more? No, any I other think, observations? I, I think it, I've kind of been pulling a little bit back because I didn't. I, um, I didn't want to half cover something that he was in, into covering or into us covering. Okay, well, we'll go through these one by one. He's got uh, like something like thirteen, yeah, points here. But you know, if we have something to say, we'll say it. If not, we'll sure. keep rolling. Uh, it starts off. He talks about the transformation scene, which we've talked about 
quite a bit. He says it's easily the most famous bit of the film, which I think I'd actually seen this transformation before uh-huh. somewhere, just as a clip. He says it's uh, technically and stylistically interesting. What do you think of the abruptness of the start of his transformation? I think it's brilliant, but can see how you might not. It's, That's real interesting. Like I wrote in my notes, uh, <laughs> sudden onset werewolf. What the fuck? <laughs> He's sitting in a chair reading a book, and then he grabs his head and starts screaming. Yeah. It Where will sudden. you be when werewolf strikes? It's like <laughs> grab the Pepto werewolf ball or whatever. It, yeah, it was so there, – there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like that. That yeah. just comes out of nowhere and is so abrupt that it's jarring. And like the thing is it's not exactly abrupt because I got in that whole fe- that whole scene that he felt like he was trying – like something yeah. was happening and he He's was trying hungry. to stave it He's, off. And like uh-huh. I was like, I'm not – I'm still not – like, I didn't understand because, again, I don't think it was especially well-connected or constructed. I don't think Jan- John Landis gave a shit yeah. either. But I, it was building to something kind of slowly. And then when it finally happened, it happened so suddenly it was yes. jarring. But I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know what he was trying to do other than maybe he had – there's a director's cut somewhere. Where there's, like, a really interesting psychological – like he knows it, he's gotten. He knows it's a full moon tonight. Was that established? He knew it was a full moon. I think so. So he was kind of expecting something to happen, mm-hmm. but he was expecting him to make maybe be ravenously hungry and like have bloodlust hit him, or I don't know. Well, I mean, that's the one point where I do not the one point, but one of the few points I agree with Ebert about is just kind of the things that don't really connect totally, um, and and the the abruptness of some of this stuff falls into that. Uh, number two, what do you think of the acting? He says, I, David says, I think it ranges from engaging to hammy to pretty bland and bad. What was engaging? I thought that everything was either farcical or intentionally campy. I didn't see, I didn't, I don't, I don't know that I saw I anything that was. Maybe the effective. doctor wasn't intentionally campy. Like he was decent. When he's spouting about Rommel and going, well, with okay, his dialogue cunt. wasn't, but his acting. Like I thought he, he, played it fairly oh, well. Oh, well, sure. Okay. I, I mean, a lot of these people, some of them are bad. Some of them are... I don't know. I feel like the people who were there knew what they were there for and mm. kind of just did the thing that they needed to do. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't... I don't know. Maybe it's a symptom of just her irrationality, but this nurse, I didn't really buy her her acting so much. Well, she was. I don't think she's cast because she's a Juilliard. That's what I mean. Film. Like some people are good, yeah. some people are bad. Like I don't think she was particularly good, but the uh, the doctor I thought was real good. Uh, I don't. The people in the pub were appropriately creepy and right, and uh, not not good or bad. Just there doing what they needed to do. He mentioned he actually met the actress that plays the the hot nurse. Yeah, and... her name's Jenny. Uh, a gutter, a gutter, a, a, a gutter. I don't know. How a gutter, um, and uh, went a little fanboy on her, which you know, understandable. Fair enough. Yeah, kind of like if I ever when if if I never actually got a chance to met Carrie Fisher, you guys did, didn't you? Me? Weren't you in the crew that went no. to the Star Wars celebration when no. it was downtown Indy? Uh-uh. Oh, you weren't. Okay, 
Because I remember a lot of guys, uh, I, I got the f- field report, and everyone made fucking asses of themselves. <laughs> In front of Carrie Fisher? Sure, sure. How long ago was this? Was that they, like, Because that's the thing, like, they bumped into her down one of the mini kind of weird hallways that the convention uh, center has. Yeah. So it's no, like you turn creepy. a corner, and suddenly Carrie Fisher is, like, literally right there. And the lights are blinking And I'd say larger than life, except for she's, like, five foot even. So, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kooky. I hope they didn't scare her. He also says the warden from Alien Three was the bald guy in the pub. I, I don't. I've know never who seen that Alien. Is. I've seen every other Alien except for Alien Three. I've seen it, but that was not. That was, in my opinion, the worst of the Alien movies. Alien Resurrection is bad, but it's it kind has, of intentionally bad. And it also has some interesting ideas. It does, yeah. And kind of like one of the more like I, I feel like it's the more overtly badass that of Ripley. Yeah, I mean she's definitely she's for yeah Christ's she's sake. a freaking superpower mother of aliens super like, weapon yeah yeah um but I I don't remember Alien Three very much and okay. I don't remember this guy uh he goes on so this is a big one the friendship between David and Jack what do you think of it and how it plays out after one's death to put it another way if one of you died and came back and tried to warn the other of an impending threat to him and others is this how it would play out. Oh, I think I can get you to kill yourself if I came back to haunt you <laughs> uh, in record time. So so you wouldn't even go with, like, telling me that I need to do this? No, you would I just... would just get right up in your ear three inches away and whisper, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, uh, over and over. And I wouldn't stop. But you'd go to sleep. You'd, the last thing you'd hear is me whispering, kill yourself. You wake up. The first thing you li- hear is me. Ki- yeah, After having it. a dream of stormtrooper sure, werewolves sure. coming in and killing all my whispering, family. All holding you down and whispering, kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think that would do it. About 48 hours, I give you. 48 hours, all right. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so you would just go straight to the trying to make me do it rather than reason with me. Yeah, sure. No, I've tried to reason with you on far less critical things and gotten weird psychological. No, fuck no, I'm going right for the throat, man. All right, all right. I don't, I don't know where I'd start. I'd. I'd probably I'd bide my time. If I had thirty days, I'd figure out. Uh, no, you got twenty eight. See, that's your mistake. You only have twenty seven. Well, your your ignorance of the lunar cycles, your undoing. <laughs> you'd because you'd 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 you'd, uh, you'd procrastinate. Like oh, I got uh, you know I got twenty nine days, and then that's you know, true. You come that's to me on totally the twenty ninth day, and I'm soaked in blood, and I'm in a wolf cage. Like God <laughs> damn it, I missed it. What 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 is today? Yeah, Thursday. Oh shit, is this moon got a variable? <laughs> I don't get it. What's going on? All right. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what I thought of that. That was I was more fixated on like I didn't know this part of the mythology of werewolves and I don't know if it is actual like canon Beats, on yeah, werewolves, I, but like that's kind of where my head was at watching this, so uh-huh. I don't really remember. I also I never bought them as friends. Really? Yeah. I thought they did a good job establishing just their rapport in that first scene. I feel like the other guy's like this, you know, like he's like, you drug me here and it's cold and we didn't think this through. And certainly they're both dumb. And I just want to go back and and rape (laughs) this girl I find hot. And I I don't know. I never really because that's other things that the the main character, David, is kind of a man child the whole movie as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I I didn't buy them as a very well threshed, uh, a very well fleshed out friendship. That's I mean, the these thing. are it's supposed like, to be kids. It's not like these are full-grown men, right? They're, they were, what, maybe 19? Well, I mean, I guess that's weird because these guys also look like they're 30-something. Yes. Which, that's sure. kind of a problem with all this stuff. The other thing is, like, I always... Like, David gave me a very strong Eric Walquist of personal arrogance <laughs> and direct podcast fame. Okay. 
he's just kind big, of big, hairy, monstrous. No, teeth. He, the, 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 no, he. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Eric's big. Yeah, uh, he he's is. tall. Rather, he's he's not he's not fat. He's very fit, but sure. he's 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 uh, tall uh, by my standards. And um, but he's kind of got that like a like like he's kind of a big galoof galoof galoof. What is it? Galoot? Galoot. I think it's a galoot. That's yeah, a, the, the buttock muscle, and that's uh, just the lovable big. Yeah, silly. like galoot makes him sound stupid. You, you yeah, always he's not stupid. you always know he's smart, but he's just yeah. like he's uh, when he's in the gear that I usually associate. I'm sure he's got authoritative and he's at work, he's <laughs> sure. successful, and people take him seriously. Uh-huh. But when I engage with him, he's fully in this like got this kind of. Uh, you know, happy-go-lucky gear. Like, yeah. nothing really gets to him, and he doesn't get super uh, upset, and it's just, you know, whatever, goofy. man. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I couldn't shake that feeling when I was seeing <laughs> David. All right. Uh, but I will say that Jack, because we talked about the transformation scene, I felt like the makeup work on Jack was phenomenal. Yeah. And especially the or before you rotted to because like essentially he becomes a, a puppet. Um mm-hmm. and it was gross and like all that. Keeper style. It was a little yeah. it was it actually got he actually got funnier. When he first came back it was more horrific. Yeah. Like the especially the stuff on his throat mm-hmm. where you could see his throat was ripped away and, and like you could see his muscles and everything working and like that shit was I I just watched the revenant. And yeah. I don't know that they do a better job on that shit on The Revenant, man. Well, I was thinking about, like, Walking Dead. Yeah. And that stuff. I mean, even with all of the digital effects they've got, I don't know that it's any better. No. No. It's... I mean, Nick Taro is certainly a master. I think it might be a little better now, but... Maybe. You know what I bet? I bet it, I don't think it's better, but I bet it, you can do it quicker and cheaper. Oh, certainly. Because yeah. the techniques are more refined. But it feels like that kind of, you know, for appliance-based makeup and effects work... The '80s is about where that shit peaked. Yeah, kind of same st- stop motion, mm-hmm. like stop mo- like the 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 and animatronics in general. Yeah, I just recently watched Return of the Jedi and like the Rancor monster. Yeah, I don't think you can make a better stop motion uh, uh, creature than him. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Uh, do you feel this is one of the elemental cor- comedy horror movies informing Scream, Cabin in the Woods, Shaun of the Dead, etc.? And how does it differ? Uh, I I think it's a little bit different, but only in the fact that it came way before those. Uh, this is this is comedy horror that is fundamental to itself, right? Like it's not based on anything else. Yeah, this- it's just like we took horror and we took comedy and we put them together, and this is what we came up with. Not like. We've seen a bunch of horror comedy stuff, and now we're lampooning it. Yeah, Scream, Cabin of Woods, Shaun of the Dead are very self-referential. Absolutely, yeah. Like, they are very aware of the tropes, and they are uh, where I don't think this is. This is, I'm telling a kind of funny, over-the-top film using this this structure. Yeah. And this mythology. And I agree that it does, this movie informs those movies Although, in a lot of ways, but... You know what? Our comment about the silver bullet, that kind of belies it. They already were playing with the yeah. idea. That, that's kind Specifically of... Specifically with that werewolf trope. Yeah, like yeah. silver bullets, what the fuck are you talking about? That's insane. But th- that feels like one of the very few times that they do it. But it's kind of like, me. you know, when you're, when you're trying to de- determine when, you know, dinosaurs evolved into birds... Like that's sure. the lizard. It's a piece of it. That's yeah. the lizard with fossilized feathers on it. You know, mm-hmm. that's so that's the missing link between the pure horror films. But and, there's no transitional movie. And there's, a, there's, there's also. I <laughs> uh, well, I would argue we found one. It's American <laughs> Werewolf in London, sir. Uh, it was. I feel like that. 
before you'd had schlocky horror and you had B horror and stuff like that, but it was still like you know, it, it, the comedy you had was unintentional or because the you know the stuff was funny or you know the situations were absurd or the acting was bad. It wasn't intentionally structurally set up with like little nods and jokes. And this one has like at least this one, yeah, uh, is is intentional. And maybe you can even argue that Jack, the 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 super horny lecherous guy that gets killed, is kind of a lampoon of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that horror movies tend to have it out for teenagers who are obsessed with sex yeah maybe there's a little bit more in there i gave it credit for uh but certainly not to the degree that something like uh shawn of the dead is i mean yeah that it's all over the place uh next point how interesting is it to you guys as an american look at british culture and how well does john landis handle that aspect how does it reflect your perception of british or european culture both modern and older slash gothic does it matter that it's dated uh, I I don't really feel like I got any huge insights into British or English culture. Yeah, through through this movie, honestly. much less how it's changed from the eighties. Yeah, I mean, it focused around an American, but he wasn't. I didn't feel like other than the stuff at the bar at like mm-hmm. the slaughtered lamb, he was really interacting much with the society. Although, no, there's that there's that uh, scene with the police officer. Which I thought was fairly interesting from Which a one? culture aspect. Uh, the one where he's trying to get arrested. He goes up to the guy and he's like, arrest me, arrest me. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck you. And like, oh, yeah. Calling him names. Like, you'd get not only, you might not live through that encounter in America, certainly modern day. And that's the thing, like, you'd have to go pretty far back in American police before, because I feel like once the war on poverty, war on drugs started in the 70s, yeah. that, 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 the, where the office is like, look, I see you're trying to get arrested, and you got some. You need a psychiatrist. You don't need to spend a night in a prison, like you know. Yeah, I mean, today, he, as soon as you say "fuck you," yeah, it's, you're, you're going, going to get cuffed and taken yeah. to the prison just because the cops not going to put up with that shit. Yeah. So you're right, and the fact that like it, it was a big kind of plot point in the movie that none of the bobbies had guns. Uh-huh. They had to pull. I mean, I thought it was cool when the special forces guys were rolling in, and they had like you know that's the I I I guess that's kind of neat about that particular police culture is that your average beat cop is not going to have anything more than like a billy club. Yeah, but if they do call in the cops, they're going to come <laughs> in with like fucking riot gear and special forces. It's like it's it's yeah. an event. That seems like a pretty logical way to do urban policing. Yeah, special task force. I mean, that's yeah. what it's for. When guys are threatening people with guns and stuff, you bring in the 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 meet the 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 goon squad. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so I I guess from that perspective, it was a uh, a little jarring to see you know cops putting up with all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, like I said, is the the Yorkshire parts of it, the the northern countryside stuff. Uh, that's fairly interesting. But honestly, I already kind of had that mental image going into this it wasn't like oh why is it strange walking into a pub full of of drinking english people as an american i mean that's kind of already integrated into what i think of as awkward moments well and the other thing is like because you know i've i i like british culture my favorite book series is patrick o'brien Mm-hmm. Um, you know, novels about 18th century sailors, and you get a very particular look of English people and English culture through that lens. And I like Jane Austen, 
and mm. then I, I I'm currently I really like Downton Abbey. And the one yeah. thing that I think is interesting about English society is the whole you know they never really repudiated the class structure. In fact, it's still perpetuated yeah. even in you know in vestigial parts of the government and the House of Lords and the fact that they still have a queen and etc. Whereas we ostensibly did get away with class structure, but we've kind of slowly put it back into place. But like what I don't get is like you talk about urban versus rural in America. Yeah. And like I feel like the urbanites see themselves as better. And mm. even the rural people kind of like, oh, that's a few fancy city slickers. Like they kind of buy into that. Um, and like you go into rural and it's kind of like, you know, deliverance. Bar, 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 bar. You know, weird shit happens in the country and it's like, you know, tobacco spitting and it's the you know, carny culture and trailer parks and weird shit like that. Whereas in England, it feels like, you know, country life, you still had these landed gentry that had the big estates and farmers were seen as kind of like, you know, not hayseed or hicks, but more noble. And you still have this pub and, you know, it's like that you could still be a gentleman, I guess, or have class and live in, in, in the, the rural parts of England. Hmm, okay. And that's kind of like what I, and I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of like, I never see these people in the the pubs as being like low class. They were a different type of people, but like I don't know that they saw themselves as not as good as the Londoners. I mean, I do get the impression that that I mean, this is probably just a stereotype given all the media I've seen, yeah. American slanted media. Sure. But I get the impression that that's not an abnormal occurrence in, in the same way that like you know, uh salary men in japan mm-hmm. uh riding the trains in droves like they don't they don't have fancy cars and shit or it's kind of like they all do the same thing like everybody in london everybody in england mm-hmm. uh countrywide just drinks in pubs like that's yeah. not a strange thing to do yeah i guess that's it, not a low class thing to do they used to have the concept of the southern gentleman like you had the southern aristocracy you uh-huh. know that sure. was all tied up in slavery and all that shit too but they yeah. That kind of, you know, that we defeated that segment of the culture in a civil war. Mm-hmm. I don't know that ever happened. Like, it's like it feels like, you know, that's kind of what Downton Abbey's dealing with now in its sixth season. Like, how what happened to the aristocracy? Because it seems it, like, like it more eroded than, yeah, like before World War One, it was defeated. very much in, in power, but then yeah. for a lot of complex social and political reasons after World War One, the power rapidly eroded and it just mm-hmm. kind of went out with a whimper. Um, but no, I, I thought that was kind of interesting and I, but I don't know how true it is because, you know, I've also seen a bunch of Guy Ritchie films where there's all kinds of subtle class distinctions and sure. distinctions and sophistication and where you live and people looking up or down to you. So yeah. I'm even within the city, right? Like, right. Even within London itself. It's like, right. there are going to be those class structures. I, I don't know. And it's hard to take this movie seriously because a, it's made by an American Sure. And B, it's just a ridiculous movie to begin with. It's like, how much of English culture do I really want to glean from this film? Right, right. The answer is not much. Not much. Uh, th- this was kind of tied up in his next point, too, so I think we'll skip that. Yeah, I felt we, we trampled, although he didn't mention that the, the Ethan Chandler uh, in Penny Dreadful is uh, an actual American werewolf in London as well, which, fair enough, he is. Oh, Okay. Uh, next point, what do you think of its use of music, both traditional horror and all its moon pop songs? Uh, I think it's pretty revolutionary and probably helped inform Tarantino at all. 
Uh, do you think some of the juxtapositions ruin or enhance the tension and weirdness? Uh, I'm all for weirdness. So, and I, I guess to me, I only have that problem with that. You know, my big, what's my big bugaboo? Tonal shifts, tonal conflicts. Sure. And to me, as soon as I figured out this movie is a, a horror comedy, uh, I didn't have a problem with it at all. In fact, I think those, the blue moon and whatnot over the moors of England mm-hmm. followed closely with the weird experience in the pub and the wolf. It kind of helped set that tone. So I yeah, thought it was, I, I thought it was great. I agree with you too. Knowing that this was a comedy, by the time you hear like uh, Credence sure. singing "Bad Moon Rising," I that felt very tongue in cheek to me. Not like I, I don't know. Some critics have said, "Oh, it really builds the dread because they they cut out on like this line. It's bound to take your life," and then they they kind of go to his transformation and stuff like right after that. Yeah. I just viewed it as more tongue-in-cheek, like, hey, look at this clever reference we did. Sure, no. Uh, And maybe at the time it was something to behold. Maybe there was, like, not a lot of pop culture used, like, like pop culturally relevant songs used in horror movies. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, shit, I wasn't even alive when this thing was made, so, like... And that's the thing, is, like, I also feel like that marketing probably... I, I, I imagine this film was marketed as kind of, like, a horror comedy, Whereas 30 years later, I'm yeah, seeing this and I'm like, I just thought it was, it was going to be a straight up horror film. Uh-huh. So, but that was my own ignorance of it. So I feel like, you know, if you, if you grew up, uh, watching this, you know, as, as these brothers did stealing it from their dad's video library and kind of growing up with it, it's, it's not a bit, but yeah, I, I thought the music did what it's supposed to do. Sure. Yeah. And I, I was just slightly angry when I heard the shitty version of blue moon at the beginning <laughs> I don't they know why they balance it all out. It's because it's version. objectively worse. Okay, all right. Uh, he also kill says, yourself, "Kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill <laughs> yourself." <laughs> I'm not even have the debate. Uh, right, to kill yourself. He also says, "While we're on sound, what do you think about the uh, the roar of the wolf? He loves it. I thought it was effectively creepy. It's annoying because Jim's the sound system on Jim's TV is the fucking worst. Yeah." It, it essentially has no center channel. So dialogue is so, so fucking quiet. We find ourselves writing the volume increasingly up and then a uh-huh. gunfire, a wolf roar, and it blows our fucking eardrums out because that's some glorious, <laughs> like it, left and right, a special effects, stereo shit, your TV can crush. Music, it'll blare. Jesus, yeah. I hate your television. I fucking hate, <laughs> wa- listen, I hate the audio of your television so much. How many years has this been a problem? A lot. Two, at least two, three, a, maybe a lot. Yes, many it could easily be solved with, with a sound hundred dollars sound. Bar. We should do it. We should do it. Bald we, move can we afford. We say that all the time. We never do it. Well, I, I feel like it's your <laughs> fucking possession. It's it's, and I don't think about it. It's like kind of incumbent <laughs> upon you, you yeah. to to bring it up in a budget meeting. Like, let's just go to Sam's Club and get a sound bar right now. We can do it on lunch. <laughs> maybe we should do it now. It we also do it doesn't today. annoy me as much as it annoys you. How because, can it not? Because I. I think I have better hearing for the voices well, than you Well, yeah, like I, I'm certain that I've lost like 25 percent of my hearing in both ears. Like you're, you're. I'm not even joking. Using like I, saws and drills sure, and shit yeah. in the shop. You're shooting I guns. Shoot guns without you know. Yeah. Worked so, on a worked on an active airport with kind of like you know teenagers careless regard for the permanence of hearing loss. Yeah, I, yep. I did a lot of stupid things with my ears. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. That's why I don't do it, but maybe we should. Kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. Number nine, the tube. The tube scene, the underground scene, the subway scene for us Americans. Mm-hmm. 
Equally brilliant, I think. I'm sure someone quotes the victims. I assure you this isn't the least bit amusing line in either Shaun of the Dead or its predecessor, Spaced. Do they? I don't. I haven't seen all of Spaced, and I don't remember it in Shaun of the Dead. But I could just, I have a bad memory. I can see. I've seen Shaun of the Dead probably 40 times. I can I see Shaun in an alley, like, uh-huh. you know, at night saying something like that. But is that real or is I that a yeah. false memory? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Fagiani brothers just incepted us. I think so. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. It's that it's every bit as dry as I want British humor to be, right? Right. No, it's essentially, yeah, it's it's what Doc, it's, it's, uh, what Doctor Who or Sherlock Holmes would say if they were accosted in the tubes Absolutely. by a werewolf. Yep. Uh, okay, point number 10. So this is a tricky one, but fascinating, he says. How aware or credulous do you think David is of his fate at various points of the movie? Parts of the film's message seems to be that myths have power whether or not you believe in them, which is almost the opposite of a lot of the message about myth in a lot of pop culture. Also, relatedly, how much does David remember of his initial rampage after the event? As my friend Isabel. 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 Is that how you say that? Yeah. Brilliantly put it, is he an a werewolf? That's a, wow. That's both a genius and a horrible turn of phrase. Your friend Isobel is, is, is great at the. Uh, that's it an there. element, right, on the chart? It is. It is. It's, table. It's, uh, it's in the island of stability once you get past like the atomic weight of 150 or so. Uh, yeah, I. Hmm. I. That's a great. I don't know. That's a great it's question. It's a super good because question. I don't think the movie takes it seriously either. Yeah, because when he confesses to the nurse that he thinks he's a werewolf and he's seen his dead person, I for some reason I guess I didn't take it serious because I feel like the nurse is like, "Okay, you handsome devil, I'm going to take you home and bed you." Like, yeah. I I never got the impression that he really took this seriously, no. even after all of these horrible visions and. Jack coming back to say you need to kill yourself and look at all these people you've harmed. I still, I still never took it. I never thought he took the threat seriously. Even I'm, when he woke up in the wolf cage, he still is kind. Of, I, mean, I mean, the guy yeah. he just kind of presents himself as a doofus. He does. He doesn't think about his reality very hard. Yeah, and I think it would have been effective. It'd have been a lot more effective if they actually cast an eighteen or nineteen year old. Absolutely. Yeah, with maybe some pimples. And I stuff. mean, maybe this guy is eighteen or nineteen, but he doesn't look it. Although that make the nurse relationship a lot more predatory. That might have been. It was an already pretty fucked up. That might be an interesting angle to take with it too. Yeah, I wonder how old this guy was when when he did this movie because he sure doesn't look nineteen. No, God, no. Neither of these kids did. But again, that's like that's yeah. Every this dude's born in nineteen fifty one. He was thirty years old. Sure. 30 years old. Uh-huh. Cast someone younger. Uh, maybe he's in graduate school. He's doing research. Like, I thought he was good in the movie. I just, I didn't buy him as the character they were trying to portray him as. Do you think that, and I guess that's something I never really understood about the, and I guess to some extent it still happens because like 90210 famously was cast with a bunch of late 20, early 30s people in fucking high school. Sure. But do you think that Landis actually wrote this kid, this guy as a teenager and cast a 30 year old because why not? Or do you think they wrote him as an adult and then, but like they needed him to be a college student so he could, they could get this backpacking kind of like cultural thing in there. The reason that they would be, you know, this kind of fish out of water in the, the roaming Northern countryside. No, I thought it was a, a failure in casting. Okay. I thought the movie very clearly was written as a much younger man. 
uh, a much younger duo of men, and they just cast him wrong. I feel like they do cast that. Like that's that's something that they've kind of solved nowadays. Like teenagers, they either yeah. they either find people that can convincingly play younger because there are people that you know have the like the the Ellen Pages. Yeah, she can probably play a sixteen-year-old girl for another ten years uh-huh. uh, until she starts getting crow's feet, and then there you go. But I feel like they do a much better job at casting actual teenagers. And is that because there's a bigger pool of successful teenage actors, or their kids are getting into it earlier and, and getting the chops earlier, or is it because I think I think you know the the popularity of cinema here mm-hmm. uh definitely lends itself to having a bigger pool of more varied actors yeah you know like we we have access to a lot of actors because a lot of people are obsessed with it and want to be actors yeah and that necessarily brings out more talent you know yeah. so I, I think yeah you you <laughs> it was a problem casting this 30 year old man as what should have been an 18 19 at most 20 year old person uh, and so it kind of took me out uh, of that that aspect of the movie. Right on. Uh, he also asks if we've ever been in a pub where they treated us like the clientele in the slaughtered lamb do. No, I've, so I've never been overseas. Honestly, I've been in a which couple. Sucks. Of, I want to go over a fish but... out of water circumstances. Um, meaning, uh, like, <laughs> I was driving home from a ski trip in Colorado and I stopped in a an all night kind of it wasn't even a truck stop it was just like a in the middle of nowhere it's like one of those next gas station 45 miles deal and it had a little diner an all night diner built into it yeah and I stopped because I was hungry it was about three o'clock in the morning and I wanted something to eat and it is the weirdest fu- I felt like there was five or six people in there and they're always in there and this one little tiny dude like he was five foot and skinny he comes in his big ten gallon hat and like you know a dress, uh, like you know those those the what are they, they 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 have like the uh, the ties the, the opal bolo. like the the button up it's like the snap oh, button cowboy shirts but sure. they have like the opal buttons on it and yeah. the really fancy design like and big cowboy birds type. and he brought in like one of the fattest women I've ever seen for his date oof and they like the kind of locals are making fun of him as like. To his face, like, oh, <laughs> wow. you brought her out to you doing all this and that, and 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 no one was acting offended by it. And I just remember sitting in the corner booth, like, I don't belong here. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I guess that's the closest thing. Um, I, yeah, I've had touches of it, like just you know going into a neighborhood you're not familiar with. Like I can imagine a couple of American teenagers walking into this bar where this pub where these rough and tumble people are just drinking and they all know each other and they're singing songs and telling stories that would i would feel so out of place there sure like unless they kind of invited me into the circle which i don't expect them to do yeah uh and i mean in that situation i would feel more like i need to let them know how much i don't understand this Uh and be curious and have them teach me not not like just Say, what is this? This is silly. No, I had that experience like in the Bahamas because like we went for a company trip. They had an all expenses paid to like one of the casinos, and the casino uh-huh. is like like these like miniature walled cities. 
Yeah. Um, and then so I stayed there for like two or three nights for however long the company paid. And then I transferred to – and intentionally so. My girlfriend and I went to stay in like this like really shitty motel in – downtown Nassau, which is kind of a rough and tumble place. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it was in the middle of this big political thing where they were, uh, there's this big kind of controversy and the Bahaman people were not allowed to gamble uh, even as they were being employed <laughs> to work in this casino where they were facilitating the white folk and the gambling. And it was a big hot button issue between <laughs> their religious parties, you know, cause that was big. And like, you know, you don't want to do the sin and corruption versus the, Bahaman, that seemed like the common Bahaman attitude is like, hey, this is another way to party. Why not? Why not us? Kind of thing. <laughs> okay. And there was like some, like, you know, you go into restaurants and stuff and people would be having these like passionate political debates and arguments. But honestly, like, I never felt uncomfortable. Like, I'd go in these little shops and cafes and like, I felt like people were really welcoming. And mm. like, uh, like, I even had a, f- a couple people I'd go into the tourist parts. And like, hey, I want a good rum cake. And like, well, you don't want to go here. Like the person working for the um, uh, what's a shitty like Parrot Bay rum cake company would be like, you don't want to fucking buy one of these cakes. If you want a really good rum cake, you need to go down this dirt road to yeah. this factory. And but and like, I felt where I swear you won't be abducted and have your kidneys harvested. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it was like you know if things were shitty and like you know like in like kind of almost a third world kind of way, but it. Ne- I, everyone seemed safe and happy and like i, think I never a lot felt, of it yeah i never felt like an outsider i think it's how you approach it a lot of the time like you as an outsider yeah. if you if you are open to learning about these people sure and not judgmental about them yeah uh even though they may be judgmental about you at the beginning yeah. like I, there's a lot of like friction and awkwardness there yeah at the initially but it's kind of on you a little bit to diffuse that as well but like also, it's interesting in this movie, the doctor has the same issue, huh. right? He comes in from London, he goes into the slaughtered lamb, and he orders uh, yeah. some some kind of drink, and they're like, we don't That we felt don't like a class it. thing. He, it, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then, so he's a little bit of a fish out of water, too, in this countryside. Yeah. Uh, and then he orders, you know, a small pint of Guinness, which, come on, I would argue ordering a small pint of Guinness, or a small I was going to say, what's a small pint? Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's like a, a pound of feathers or a pound of lead. <laughs> ordering a small Guinness versus a pint of Guinness <laughs> yeah. also makes you an outsider. Can I get a you wee Guinness? A full pint. You're not going to drink it all anyway, obviously. I don't know why it would be a, a problem to put away a pint of Guinness. Yeah. But, uh, okay. I feel Next like, point? I feel like we covered that Okay, well. what, what do you think of the use of the dream sequences? And he also wants to know about the Muppets cameo um, during the Nazi werewolf scene. He wants to know what we think of these Nazi werewolves. I feel like we've talked about most of this, um, but he the one point he wanted to talk about, I guess, is do you think this is meant to be a nod to David's Jewish heritage? I miss the fact that he was Jewish. Are we sure that he's Jewish, or is that an assumption based on peeping, peeping Tom Nurse? Oh... Yeah, is like, he actually Jewish? Was there anything else in the movie that said so? Yeah, in the '80s, like, and even today, like, vast. I well, I don't know the vast majority, but the clear majority of uh, of white dudes in America are circumcised. I feel uh, like that's yeah. changing. Yeah, it's it, starting to normalize to where you know people are like, "I why are we why are we cutting the skin off?" Yeah, this seems sticks? unnecessary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's a good because I never put the, the Jewish thing together. I didn't take that as a. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like that was just a misunderstanding, cultural misunderstanding. But if he's actually Jewish, that makes actually that actually makes a lot of sense. It does. It makes more sense. Yeah, certainly that stormtrooper. But this is this is the difference in someone who's watched the movie five hundred times and right. at once. Right. There's <laughs> probably a line of dialogue ones, yeah. in there where he's talking with Jack. Oh yeah, it's sure. great that we're Jewish, isn't it? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. Sure, buddy. Sure. Anyway, finally, what do you think of the ending? Basically, everything from the start of the cinema sequence onwards, an anticlimax or brilliantly harsh and fatalistic or both. This this is the stuff I love. Like this dark, sort of absurdist comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people people dying in mass car crashes in this way is particularly hilarious to me. Uh, you know, this but the ending just wasn't a funny. Seedy porno movie. No, the, the, when I'm talking about the literal term, yes. like when the movie hit a brick wall and just goes to the black. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure. Maybe it's like John Landis like didn't care anymore. Like I, I told the story I want to tell, and I did the things I want to do. I don't need a long denouement. I, I don't. I, yeah. I don't need to suggest a sequel. I don't need to see what this tearful nurse is going to do, mourning her Jewish teenage thirty-something werewolf lover. Like it's just done. <laughs> sure, sure, I can see that. And it's, it's it, the movie is also such kind of a. I don't want to use the word train wreck, but maybe a runaway freight train of just absurdity and. Yeah. Just all these weird images being thrown at you constantly that, like, that's the final joke that, like, yeah, this guy's going to get shot and that's it. <laughs> he died in the alley. Done. Fiend. Done. It's over. Uh, I also heard that John Landis was 19 when he wrote the first draft of this. Really? So maybe that tells you something about the sensibilities of it. Yeah. Uh, and how kind of disjointed and awkward it feels. It does feel a bit unfinished, though. Yeah. And not just, I agree like, from a story, but, but a little bit... Um, you know, from a nuts and bolts and a good construction, like it builds up and it yep. has a climax, but there is no resolution whatsoever. All the pieces of the story are there. They and don't it quite feel, connect. And it doesn't quite feel like a stylistic choice because the movie, that stylistic choice doesn't belong in this kind of tonal movie. Like that stark, yeah. just like, wow, that happened. Now you're you're sitting in <laughs> stunned silence as the lights come up. That's not that kind of movie. Yeah. So it feels more like an artistic craft problem. Mm-hmm. But I, at the same time, I didn't not enjoy it. Yeah. It was abrupt and it was surprising, but I don't think it was bad. Yeah. And I don't know that it was, I would even call it an anti-climax, right? It is a climax. The wolf is dead. Uh, And and it built. Like, it's like that final rampage just kept getting bigger and bigger (laughs) and Uh crazier. Uh, And I was like, man, are they going to call in the military? Like, damn, what's next? And then it just ends. So, uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's not anticlimactic. It's just matter of fact in a way that, like, again, like, that would be the ending for, like, um, some deep psychological thriller that hit you with a final twist. And then, like, you literally sit there in stunned silence. Like, what did yeah. I just watch? You might sit there in stunned silence, what, but not in the same kind of way with this movie. Yeah. It's kind of like, Jesus, what did I just watch? I, I do kind of agree that it's a little fatalistic. Uh, How so? I don't know. It's something about like her just being in the alley and like saying, Oh, I love you, David and all this stuff. And then like him just being dead, like boom, he's done. Well, I mean, if you go back to the, I mean, that's the thing that she was thinking that the power of her, his, her love could overcome the werewolf. Like that ties into like my uh-huh. addiction theme we were talking to. Yeah. Like you're not dealing with the person you're dealing with the werewolf. You're not dealing with, you're dealing with a drug here. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess that's a little bit, movies punching above its weight where it yeah. tries to get something poignant about that. Like the, the fact that, you know, there, this person's gone. It's not the person you love anymore. 
And also, I never bought, you know, there again, I never bought their relationship. Sure. As yeah. anything but surface level. And a, a little creepy. Yeah. And, and strange. Yeah. Um, if that was Trinity and Neo, that sure. would have worked. Because yeah. they actually had something that, that meant something. Sure. <laughs> Prophecy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, clearly David has thought about this a lot more than we this, have. This relationship's built on lecherous nurse nursehood and questionable <laughs> professional ethics. Uh-huh. <laughs> on all sides. Taking advantage of easel, uh, easily influenced teenage boys who are out of their own country. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about it. That was his final point. So, uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It, it's kind of in the the pantheon somewhere of those really good. Like, I, I wouldn't quite call it campy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't quite have that quality to it, but it is surprisingly humorous and uh, at times dark and disturbing and scary. No, I it. It's got a lot to recommend it from a historical perspective, like an archaeological horror comedy perspective, from a special effects perspective. Yeah. Uh, it's got a lot to recommend itself. Um, I hope, David and Matt, uh, you have a good time. We, we, we're, we timed this. We're, this is, should be, if everything goes well, automatically published right as you're about to get on your flight to Germany to do your... Uh, uh, I guess it's a bachelor party. He called it a stag party. That's that's, st- what you that's call a it. different and thing here. It's a wolf party. It's um, stag parties. So uh, ho- hopefully there won't be any London werewolves in in Berlin. Uh-huh. Uh, but I hope you enjoy your your trip. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, that's awesome. I thought that the story of uh, how this became a special th- event for you guys and, and yeah. your backgrounds is really cool. And and as always, thanks for supporting Bald Move. We got to figure out this international loophole. Uh, he, 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 uh, he only paid, he only paid 164 quid for this movie because of the exchange rate. Mm. We got to oh, yeah. it's like, we got to, you know, they, he, they, they should, everyone should feel the pain equally. Right. Yeah. You can't just, you can't just live like a, and a little bit the, the poor Canadians. Sure. They're going to gonna have to pay 400. like $790 yeah. for these things. <laughs> like it's, it's 790 loonies even. It's true. Uh, Don't even ask me about the Australians. They're just going to have to. I mean, they pay in kangaroo ears, I think. Sure. <laughs> However many you can go out and, and and rip off, that's that's your salary. Yep. So yeah, we gotta we gotta figure out how to balance this uh, unjust global scale of conversion rates. All but right. Congratulations, congratulations for the strength of the the British pound sterling. Long may it live. Yep, and congratulations to Matt. Yeah. If you'd like to commission your podcast, you can do so at baldmove.com slash shop. A great gift idea. Uh, it's a great just solo uh, podcast masturbation idea. It's just, it's 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 uh, good for all occasions: weddings, funerals, Valentine's Day, birthdays, Christmas, uh, werewolf Hanukkah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all your all your Jewish werewolf celebrations, uh, your your bar wolfsva, uh, all that stuff. Uh, Baldmove.com/slash/shop, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>